Well, I enjoy choosing my own sermons, but this whole series has been preaching what you've asked me to preach. On Easter, we did a survey of 3,000 people on our Easter service weekends, giving them several topics to choose from, and we took the top five topics and uh, of what you said you wanted to hear a message about. And today, as we put a bookend on this series, we're talking about topic number five. We've talked about forgiveness and stress and the Holy Spirit and prayer. And now it is Islam versus Christianity. And I gotta be honest with you, like this wouldn't be in my top 100 to spend a Sunday morning on when there's all kinds of other issues we could tackle, everything else we could talk about, but you asked for it. <laughs> so blame yourself. So, you know, uh, but here's what I wanna do. I wanna start right off the bat and let you know kind of the rules of engagement today, if you will. Uh, the first one is this. Um, in no way are you going to hear me um, belittle Islam. Uh, this is not a bully pulpit today where we get a chance to uh, lift up uh, Christianity and uh, thumb our nose at uh, someone of a different faith. This is an opportunity for us to not just understand Islam a little bit better, but really the goal is that we would, we would have a, a rekindling of a passionate pursuit for the gospel to be shared to many, many people, regardless of where they come from. After all, if it weren't for the gospel, you and I wouldn't even have the chance to be sitting here today in this free country serving a risen savior. And so some of you, you may, when I begin to talk about Islam, you might want me to kind of come in, you know, pretty hardcore because of your uh, personal uh, stance right now on Islam. Uh, and then others, you may have zero understanding, but hopefully all of us can come back and go to the word of God and not be again about just a lesson on Islam versus Christianity, but really be a reminder of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sound good? Okay, so take your worship guide. On the back of your worship guide you receive when, hopefully you receive when you walk through one of our doors, is a list. We're gonna talk about some facts, some similarities, some differences, some key issues, and then at the end we're gonna pray and we're gonna go home and we're going to bring the gospel to those around us. So let's start with, let's start with some real basic terminology because there are different words, different statements in Islam that would be healthy for you to at least understand so we can get all on the right perspective today. The first one would be this word, Allah. Allah is the Arabic word, not an English word, not a Spanish word, an Arabic word meaning God. That's it. Allah means God. And when it's said in Arabic, it means one God. The Islam faith is a one God faith. You may, you may um, miss uh, misinterpret it uh, with like Hinduism, which would be uh, a, a religious belief that involves many multitudes of different gods. Islam is one God. His name is Allah. Now, before we go further, you need to understand that the Hebrew name for God, Hebrew, is Jehovah. The English word for God is God. Yes, oh, yo, you're, on top. you're on top of it. Okay, okay, okay. The Spanish word for God is Dios. And the Arabic word for one God is Allah. Next, the word Islam. 
Islam basically interpreted in Arabic means submission to God. Others would add uh, peace through submission to God. Where do they get the peace? Because in our opinion, in a lot of the American stereotypical opinion of Islam, it is not, uh, there's nothing to, it has nothing to do with peace. It's very radical. It's very this, this or that. We're going to break all that down. But when you think of the Jewish term that you may have heard in church before called shalom, shalom, shalom basically means peace or peace be unto you. Well, in that same Middle Eastern uh, 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 alphabet from Arabic to Hebrew, those words S, L, and M that you get shalom and S, L, and M that you get Islam, that has that root word of peace. And so Islam basically means peace through submission to God. Next, Muslim. A Muslim is a follower of Islam. So the same way that a Christian would be a follower of Christ, a Muslim means a believer of or a follower of Islam. Everybody set so far? Okay, I'm gonna try not to nerd you to death. I'm not gonna get a calculator out. We're not even gonna do math today, everybody. But you just stay with me, okay? Because we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna travel through this. And you know what? If you're like, why are we doing it? You asked for it, okay? You asked for it. Next. There are 1.8 billion Muslims globally. 1.8 billion Muslims globally. It is the fastest growing religion on the face of the planet. And in America, there are 3 million Muslims in America. Regardless of what you might see on television, it would seem that there would be 100 million Muslims in America. But more than 69% of Americans have never even met a Muslim. 69% of Americans have not met a Muslim. However, I would tell you that 99.9% of Americans have an opinion about Muslims when 69% haven't met one. Okay, next. Quran, this is an important word in the Islamic faith. The same way we would say the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. It stands up, I stand up on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E Bible, the Quran is the holy book of Islam and it was written by Muhammad, And the words that Muhammad wrote down, he testifies that in a cave when he was 40 years old, that he met an angel named Jibreel, which in English would be translated Gabriel and is intended to be the same Gabriel that visited Muhammad would be the same Gabriel we read about in the scriptures. But that the holy book is the recitings of Muhammad that the the angel gave to him, he began to write over the course of a few years, that is the Quran, the holy book, the writings of Muhammad uh, given from Gabriel uh, to him uh, on that day in the cave. The five pillars of Islam. So what, what are the main beliefs? Well, like most religions that are different than Christianity, most religions are always about what you do always about your deeds. In fact, it's not in your notes, but we want to write deeds over doctrine. Deeds over doctrine. Because in most religions, it is about what you do and what you don't do that might or might not get you into heaven. Deeds over doctrine. Not what you believe, what you do. And Islam is very much a, this is what you do in order to earn 
the possibility of someday being in paradise. You still have to go to hell. There's still a time away. You're never even guaranteed a straight shot unless you're into the, the radical Islamic views, and that's where uh, the, the dying uh, in battle, uh, trying to convert, would give you access uh, directly into, into paradise. So the five pillars of Islam are as follows. The key doctrines, if you will, the key deeds. Number one, the shahada, which is the confession. And the confession is basically what you say. When you say it, you, you can convert. If you mean it, you can convert into Islam by simply confessing there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. A person comes to Islam through that statement. Uh, that in it, it believes that the two key pieces, unity in one God, only one God, no other God, and Muhammad and the, uh, the authority of Muhammad, there is no other authority beyond Muhammad, he is the greatest authority for uh, Allah on this uh, earth. The second one is the Salat, which is the ritual prayer. Five times a day in Islamic communities and countries and governments, you will hear over the loudspeakers a call to prayer. And whatever you're doing in that moment, it stops immediately. You go wherever you are, you find a place of prayer, you bow towards Mecca, the east, and you pray towards that capital city. You pray different confessions. You do certain leanings, certain movements, certain body language, and five times a day, everything stops. Um, our executive pastor, Jonathan, and his wife, elementary director, Kim, John and Kim Millen, they were um, in, uh, where were you guys? Where were, where were they? What? Dubai. They, they, they were in Dubai a couple of months ago, just in the mall, and the prayer would come up, and like, you know, in the middle of Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, the, everybody just leaves to the prayer rooms. Uh, you know, I mean, it just stops in, in the middle of the street. Comes, traffic stops. People get out of their cars. It's, it's a very serious deeds related, and in there, they, they are making that confession and praying certain prayers to Allah. The third pillar is the psalm, which is a period of fasting in the month of Ramadan. So you learn the 12 months of the year in our calendar, 365 days. The uh, Islamic calendar is 355 days and, and has several different months in it. And in the month of Ramadan, which is where we get Ramada in, I'm kidding, we don't get Ramada in. I'm, just, I'm, I'm kidding, it's a joke. Maybe, I don't know. I haven't looked it up. Um, something to investigate. <laughs> But Ramadan, in the month of Ramadan, from sun uh, down to sunrise, uh, there's a period of fasting and um, no, no eating, no drinking, no sexual activity. And through that time, which last year or this year was May 15th to June 14th, uh, there was that time of, of fasting. And it's a deed. And if you don't do it, you're not considered right with God. And what you do is, is your only key. And even then, you don't even have a guarantee. Even then, you, you never even know but you just better do these things for sure. The next one is zakat, and that's the giving of charity. Man, we just, we just received our generosity moment in the church where we practice generosity, but we don't practice generosity because it's your gateway to heaven. There is only one door to heaven. There's only one way to eternity with God. But giving of your tithes and offerings isn't something you have to do to earn anything. And again, I'm gonna break down the major differences once we get further into just laying a foundation of the differences. Giving of charity. Uh, this is not only just the tithes and offerings, but this can be government sanctioned in states that are completely Islamic states. Uh, it's taken out of your check just like 
taxes are. Uh, we're actually starting that next year in starting point where we're just going to pull your... It's a joke, everybody. It's a joke. The Hajj, the pilgrimage to Mecca. Mecca is their holy city, and the Hajj is uh, yearly or at least once in your lifetime. A good, a good Muslim is going to take the journey, whether they grew up uh, anywhere in the world. They head to Mecca in the Middle East, uh, in between the Byzantine, the old Byzantine Empire and the Persian Empire. They're in Mecca in the Middle East. They travel. Millions of Muslims every single year take the pilgrimage to Mecca, and one of the key stops on their pilgrimage uh, is the, uh, the, the, the holy place where this statue or this building is erected, the Kaaba or the Kaaba. And um, this is a very holy place to the Muslims. They travel. You can see all this. That's, that's, uh, that's all people standing around and ready to pray and, and bow. And this is a very holy place. Now, what would you find when interesting, what you'd find is interesting in a huh moment would be who the Muslims believe built this structure. They believe that this was the place and the structure that was built by someone you might know uh, named Abraham and his son. But not the son Isaac, his son Ishmael. That Abraham and Ishmael built this as a, a place of convening with God. All right, We're going to get more into that Abraham and Ishmael, Abraham and Isaac thing in just a moment. The sixth, it's, I said five pillars, but there's a modern thought beyond uh, in modern uh, Islam on the sixth piece being jihad. The jihad not meaning holy war, although that's one uh, facet of it. It really just means struggle. So it may be struggle with, with, with uh, uh, military elements involved, but it also can mean an inner struggle of submission to God, uh, inner struggle in the Islamic community. Uh, three different ways they mean struggle, holy war, inner struggle with submission, and then Islamic community struggling to uh, survive. Jihad, though, is one of those words that we've kind of pulled out and, and, and we attach and, and very quickly make assumptions on uh, Muslims, um, uh, especially in uh, America. Now, some similarities between Islam and Christianity. You still with me so far? Okay, all right. Because you asked for it. <laughs> I'm not going to say it again. It's similarities between Islam and Christianity. All right, here's some, here's some similarities. The first would be this. Islam and Judaism have similar starting points. In fact, we, we will trace Judaism back to Father Abraham. And we talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Jacob having 12 sons. And those 12 sons, through, through basically those 12 sons, having the 12 tribes of Israel. And the nation of Israel coming out of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? You can trace... Uh, the, the Arabic community, and not all Arab, Arabic-speaking men and women are Islamic. A large percentage is, but not every, if you meet someone who is Arabic, it doesn't mean they are um, Muslim. Uh, the same way you meet someone in the United States that speaks English doesn't mean they're Christian. <laughs> okay? 
So in this whole Islam and Judaism, there is this story in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, in, in earlier in Genesis, God says to Abraham, I am gonna give you descendants that outnumber the stars in the heavens. And Abraham is 75 years old and his wife is 65. And 24 years later, finally, it takes place. But in that 24-year waiting period, Sarah, his wife, says to him, this oven ain't baking no bread. What you talking about? And she goes, here, here, and I, love, I, I think it's a funny scripture. The scripture says, here, take Hagar, my maidservant, and have a child with him. And the very next scripture says, Abraham took Hagar and slept with her. And I wonder if there was a little bit of time in between them because if I'm Abraham, I'm probably not gonna say, okay. You know, I'm probably gonna say, are you sure about this, babe? Are you sure about this? Just me? Okay, just me? All right. So Abraham basically takes Hagar, a man-made, a man-made answer to a God-sized promise. And he has sex with Hagar. She gets pregnant, and Ishmael is born. And they take Ishmael as, his, as, his, as, as their own son. 14 years later, Sarah gets pregnant. And when she gets pregnant... Um, Isaac becomes the apple of the eye. Isaac gets all the attention, and Ishmael, quite frankly, is orphaned. He's orphaned. In fact, once Isaac is born, Ishmael and Hagar are sent out of the community, outside of the family of Abraham. And, and the Bible says that, that Hagar and Ishmael were there and were crying under a tree, and God speaks to Hagar and says, out of this child, I will make a great nation. And when you see all of the turmoil in the Middle East, all of the fights between Jews and non-Jews, do you know where you can trace it back to? All the way back, fighting over a son and an orphan son. It's why it's so important to understand God as our father, to understand that we're adopted sons and daughters of him. We're not orphaned. And yet through that, um, the Islamic faith and in the Quran, you will see similarities. They talk about God, the creator. They talk about Noah and the flood. The Quran talks about uh, Moses and the deliverance of the people. The Bible talks about Abram and his son being sacrificed, but it's not Isaac in this story that's sacrificed, it's Ishmael that is given to sacrifice and God shows up and spares Ishmael's life. In fact, one of the biggest teachings of the Quran would be that the, the word of God, the New Testament is corrupted and it's been, it's been changed to wipe out the Islamic people and it's been written more for a Jewish audience and for Christians, but they were really the sole um, proprietors. They were the owners of the promise of, of Abraham because Ishmael was born first. Very similar starting points. And so you grow up in an Islamic house, you'll hear about Jesus, not the son of God, but a good prophet. He didn't die on the cross, they say, but he was a good prophet and sent from God. They, they will talk about, um, like I said, Abraham and Moses and Noah. So there's some, some so, so we gotta make sure we know that those are actually wonderful talking points to begin conversation with someone of a different faith, especially a Muslim. They're similar starting points, very different end results. Very different end results, but similar starting points. Next, Islam and Christianity are monotheistic, but not monolithic. Monotheism basically means one God, one God. 
and they are a one God religion. Christianity is a one God religion, but we see our God embodied in one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They believe that's blasphemy because one God is one God. Jesus was not the son of God. There is no spirit, there is no God, but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. The other element here is monolithic. Monolithic basically means carved from the same stone. And can I tell you something? If you've seen one Christian, you know how many Christians you've seen? One Christian. Uh, Don't let the guy in the Speedo on the corner of, of, you know, in Manhattan with a sign that says, Jesus saves, don't let him speak for me, okay? And don't let him speak for you. You see one quote unquote Christian, you've seen one Christian. There are a lot of different, it's not monolithic. We're, we're, we, are, we have one God, his son is Jesus. He's the only guarantee to heaven through the son. But there are a lot of different beliefs when it comes to people that would put themselves underneath the Christian faith. Westboro Baptist Church, which is a disgusting, a disgusting image of what the church should be, that, that pickets uh, uh, funerals of dead military men and women, um, has the signs, God hates homosexuals, and, and uh, they're, just, they're known for their hatred and their picketing. Uh, let's get even closer to home. Church of Wells right down the street. Church of Wells has been on this campus having conversations with me, um, uh, has a very specific set, would call themselves Christ followers, but would have a very different Christianity that we are not carved from the same, same stone. See, Islam and Christianity have different denominations. We talked about it last week. I asked people, how many of you Episcopalian grew up? How many of you grew up Baptist? It's like, you know what I mean? Like how many of you, there's like all kinds of different denominations in, our, in, in this house right here. Um, but really the Islamic faith is divided into two denominations. It's not in your notes, but you may want to write it down. Sunni and Shiite. Sunni and Shiite. Those are the two main denominations. They split in their beliefs when Muhammad died and they wanted to have a successor to Muhammad. The Sunnis believed it ought to be a hereditary thing, the son of Muhammad. The Shiites believed it ought to be the religious scholar of the day or who had the most leadership. And basically from that moment, they split and they're still split. And the majority of Shiites believe that Sunnis aren't even real Muslims. There's there's major divide in the own Islamic community. In Christian community, we're split into two main pillars or two main categories. Um, Baptist, no, I'm kidding, we're not. It's it's actually, it's Catholic and Protestant. Catholic and Protestant, those are the main pillars. And, and, And then out of Protestant, you would see several different denominations. Even Pentecostal becomes a multifaceted denomination in and of itself. There are differences and different denominations between Islam and Christianity. D. The vast majority of Muslims and Christians are not terrorists. Now, why do I say Christians and Muslims? Because both have killed in the name of God. Now, here's the deal. Again, you, you, you need to, to step, away from, st- step away from the news for a minute, okay? Whatever your taste is from CNN to Fox you're going to get a vastly different perspective on this particular topic even. Um, You're going to get a vastly different perspective on who you talk to in the break room. 
Now, when I mean that we are not terrorists, I mean that uh, if you think of 1.8 billion Muslims and you have 10% of them that are radical Islamic, uh, radical in their beliefs, that means there are 180 million Islam, uh, Islamic Muslims that are, that are willing to kill for their religion. But you also look at Christianity and there have been people through history that have, that have killed for their religion. Um, just a few years ago in my hometown of Wichita, Kansas, only a few miles away from where I lived as a high schooler, there's a church, Reformation Lutheran Church. And there at Reformation Lutheran Church, in the lobby on a Sunday morning, a gentleman walked in from the parking lot, put a 9-millimeter revolver up to the forehead of another man and blew his brains out right after church. The man who he assassinated in the church lobby, his name was George uh, or Bob Tiller. Um, he was known in abortion circles as Tiller the Killer because uh, Tiller, Dr. Tiller pre uh, performed more late-term abortions in Wichita, Kansas than any other doctor in the United States. And this gentleman who put the, the gun to his head said, Jesus told me that in order to protect life, I had to take life. And that was a terror, murderous moment. And even though this doctor, we believe that life starts at conception and this doctor would have killed hundreds of babies in late-term pregnancies, does not give that follower of Jesus the permission to take vengeance into his own hands. And what we also have to be careful of is this. When we read our word, we see Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We see a new way of life. The whole Bible is the story of God revealed to us, a history of people working for God, falling away from God, and all the things they could do, they never could do it enough to truly gain salvation. Jesus had to be the substitute. Jesus had to be the sacrifice for our sin. And you can read in Joshua. And if you take a scripture out of Joshua, you could justify yourself that the Bible would say it's okay for you to, to commit genocide. That it'd be okay for you to strap dynamite on your chest if you took scripture out of Joshua, took it out of context from the historical reality of a nation carving out its existence in Canaan. You could take it and take it out of context and give yourself permission even in the Old Testament to commit murder for God. You could do that. But if you're truly gonna understand the Bible, you're gonna interpret the Bible the way it's meant to be interpreted. You can understand where God is giving us application and prescription, like a prescription to take, and description, a description of how he was operating in life. Does that make sense? So there are things in the scripture that are very descriptive, and there are things in scripture that are very prescriptive, and if you, you can take either one of those completely out of Balance. So Muslims and Christians are not terrorists. The majority of them uh, are not. Some key differences, though. Now let's talk about differences. First, Islam would say that humans are born spiritually neutral in need of instruction. That there's not really a sin issue. It's just you have the right words, you have the right book, you have the, the right teachings. Follow and do these things. But Christianity is not about a good book that says, do this and do that. Christianity is a story of, of who he is and what he has done. So Christianity says humans are born with a sin nature and in need of salvation. 
So it's not about coming to church and getting your ducks in a row and listening and talking to the big man upstairs. Oh, he's way more personal than that. Like there's nothing you could ever do to earn your way into heaven, everybody. You listening to me? Nothing you could ever do to earn it, to work for it. It's all about what he did, not what you could ever do. We need salvation. So Jesus isn't just the prophet. He is the son of the living God and our savior, savior to all humanity. The Bible says in Romans 5, Paul says, therefore, just as though one man, through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. We're all born into this sin nature. We're all just born just like in need of a savior. The Bible says in John, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be amazed that I said to you, Jesus says, you must be born again. We need saving. We can't just learn instruction in life. We need the way to eternal life. Number two, a big stark difference in the Holy Scriptures. So our scriptures are written from Genesis to Revelation, 66 books written by 40 plus authors in three different languages over the course of 1,500 years on three different continents, okay? 66 books, 40 different authors, 1,500 years, three different languages, three different continents. And they're not stepping on each other's toes. It is a fluid story of God's redemption to man. That's a lot of time for someone to say, "Huh, uh It's a lot of time for things to, to, there's a lot of people with differing opinions, yet God in his grace and goodness gave us the word that is a solid representation of who he is, what he does, what he's going to do, and how this world is gonna come to an end and a new world will begin. The holy scriptures of the Quran are by one person, Muhammad only. He was 40 years old. It was 550 years after Jesus died, was resurrected, and ascended. 550 years later, the scripture had already been written into 20, had been uh, reproduced 27,000 different times, just the New Testament. We have, not, not have already been, we have in our possession over 27,000 copies of the New Testament that were written less than 500 years before the time of Christ that are unified in their statements. Not just copied and someone else writing something down and someone changing it, it they're unified. Um, you see in Muhammad, it's one person, nobody else witnessed Gabriel uh, coming to him. It is only the thoughts of Muhammad and Muhammad alone. It, there is no other key witness and the reason why the Gospels are so important, everybody, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the reason God is so infinite in his wisdom that he didn't just give it to one man to write down. He gave it in this vast way so that they could, they, they could see the vantage points and we could confirm the good news. That's beautiful. It's beautiful to have the Gospels written from different perspectives and unified in purpose. The Holy Scriptures are given through that time, and, and really, Muhammad took about five to 10 years to write the Quran. By the way, it's 66 books in the Bible. The Quran is one book. It's divided up into chapters called surahs, S-U-R-A, and there's just many, 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 many chapters in that holy book. The third key difference is the stark contrast of Jesus and Muhammad. Stark contrast. So this guy named Muhammad, who's 40 years old, who was an Arab merchant, 
who would travel and sail and, 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 and traded things. Uh, that was his job. Uh, there was a big difference between Muhammad and Jesus. Let's look at some of these. They're not in your study notes, but you may want to take a look at some of these. Number one, Muhammad founded Islam about AD 622 at 40 years old, 622 years after the birth of Christ. Jesus' journey starts before creation. When we read the scriptures, we see that Jesus was not just born into this thing, that the Bible says that before the foundations of the earth were formed, the Lamb of God would be slain. Jesus existing at creation as part of the triune Godhead, the Son of the living God. They don't claim that Muhammad is divine or that Muhammad is the Son of God. That would be, that would be heresy. Muhammad is a prophet, okay? Jesus, though, is also the Son of the living God. Muhammad claimed to have received a revelation from an angel of God, and initially he feared that his revelation had come from Satan. But later he claimed to be the last and greatest of all of God's prophets. Jesus knew he was to be about his father's business with certainty at the age of 12. When Mary and Joseph can't find him and he's hanging out in the temple, even teaching in the temple at 12 years old, Mary comes in like a mom who lost her kid at Six Flags, you know, where have you been? And he says, I gotta be about my father's business. Jesus understood the clarity of who he was and who he was listening to from an early age. Muhammad acknowledged his own need to seek God's forgiveness on occasion. In fact, in chapter 40 of the Quran, even Muhammad realizes he's sinful. He does, but the difference between Muhammad and Jesus, Jesus was above reproach. He was sinless. He did not make mistakes. He was above reproach in every way. In fact, 2 Corinthians says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Not in what you do, not in your prayers, not in your fasting, in who he is, acknowledging that and that alone because it can never be something you earn. There we find the righteousness of God. Muhammad had at least 11 wives. He sanctioned in, in chapter four, verse 34, the beating of wives in the Quran. If I had 11 wives, I don't know how I keep them in line either. Oh, that's horrible, that's horrible. <laughs> it's bad. Hey, take that off of, take that off of the, this is the, <laughs> idiot. Uh, shut up, Jeremy. <laughs> I didn't say that in first service. Um, Jesus never married. He defended and honored women. There's a woman thrown in front of him, the law, prophets say, the law says stone her to death. What do you say? And he says, if you have no sin, cast the first stone. Um, Jesus goes out of his way to go to Samaria, a place of deep prejudice and racism with the Jewish people. And he meets a woman at a well and he speaks life into her. Jesus values human life from conception, male, female, right, wrong, American, <laughs> not American. All who believe in him, anyone who believes in him can have everlasting life. Muhammad was well known for spreading his new religion by force. He commanded, fight and slay the pagans wherever you find them. Chapter nine, verse five. Now again, when you read the Old Testament and you could, would take that out of historical context and make it more prescriptive than descriptive, you could, you could say that even uh, God in that time of carving out the nation of Israel, crossing the Red Sea, going into the promised land, killing, uh, killing men, women, and children, you could say the same. But you understand that God deals with people where they are 
And that's not what he's called us to today in 2017. Jesus is actually, his law that was above all law was love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. All the other laws hang on those two commandments, Jesus says. Muhammad led raids against caravans and he broke oaths. He ordered the murder of those who mocked him. He killed all the men and enslaved the women and children of the last Jewish tribe in Medina, which was another city by Mecca. But Jesus, he never assassinated anyone. He never abused women. He never enslaved a child. He never broke a promise. When Jesus was mocked by those nearby, his response was not kill them. His response on the cross was, Father, forgive them. Do you see the stark contrast between the messenger of God, the son of God, Jesus, and Muhammad? Both Muhammad and Jesus were met with skepticism. They were not welcomed in their own town. When, when, when Muhammad came from the, the, the cave where he met Gabriel, supposedly, when he went back to Mecca and he began to share it, they basically kicked him out of house and home. He said, take your wives, take your stuff, go on. And he moved to Medina. And it is that pilgrimage to Medina that actually starts the Islamic calendar. See, our calendar even now, whether you're a Christian or not in America, our calendar uh, starts at the birth of Christ. And you can call it, uh, you know, um, A.D. or C.E., which is common error and try and take Jesus out of it. It don't matter. It started with Jesus. And it's going in with Jesus, by the way. It started with Jesus going in with Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of everything, including our faith. But Muhammad, he, he pilgrimed over to Medina. Um, he, they were skepticism. They didn't believe him. Um, in fact, Muhammad gave no supernatural or miraculous signs. And it's even recorded that the people in Mecca, when Muhammad came back, they said, well, prove yourself. Prove that, that Gabriel showed up. Prove you are who you say you are. All you're saying is you're the prophet. Prove it. Show us something. Come on, give us a magic trick or something like that. What happens with Jesus? Jesus shows up on the scene. Number one, he's miraculously conceived. When he starts his three-year ministry, he performed many miracles, witnessed by thousands upon thousands and documented by many, not just his own story. Even his own family at the beginning in scripture, you can read, even his own family, his, other, his half-brothers and sisters said, eh, we don't know about this. We don't know about this. But then James, the author of the book of James in the New Testament, the half-brother of Jesus says he is the son of the living God. Let me tell you something. You're, when your own half-brother can say, I know, he's the Messiah. Like, you have, you've made it. <laughs> like, like, you know how hard it would be for my brother and sister to say, Jeremy, he's, the, he's it. He's it. <laughs> you know, they'd be like, huh-uh. <laughs> you know, no. I wanted to start my own cult. They'd be like, you're an idiot, you know? You know what else is a key difference? <laughs> Muhammad's dead, everybody. Truth is this. Muhammad died and he never claimed a resurrection. Jesus was crucified in public. He died and he rose again. And we sing the songs we sang today. We bow and worship not at a tombstone. We bow and worship a risen Savior, a real Savior, a living God a living son of God who connects us to God. Islam, the way to God, like many religions, is through your deeds, but Christianity, the only way to God is through his son. You may want to jot these scriptures down. In Luke 10, 16, Jesus is telling his disciples who are going out two by two to witness, 
He says, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. Now watch. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. When any faith rejects Jesus as the son of God, they're not just rejecting Jesus, they're rejecting God. And whether you call him in Arabic, Allah, or you call him Jehovah in Hebrew, the only way to God is through his son, Jesus. And when you reject Jesus, you've rejected God. There's only one way through which we can be saved. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind to which we must be saved. Jesus answered in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, they didn't, Jesus didn't resurrect and all of a sudden they started calling themselves Christians. In fact, for many, many years, followers of Jesus were known as followers of the way. The way. Because I am the way. And there is no other way to a guaranteed eternity with Christ and with God. There's no other door. A lot of people try to do a lot of different things. A lot of people try to justify themselves having a conversation on the beach with, with, with some new friends in Hawaii. And, and, and in the conversation, uh, Patrick brought up the fact, he said, well, when I stand before God, I will tell him I was a good person and I wasn't rude to anybody and, and, and I tried to live my life as best I could and I did good things. I didn't always go to church, but you know, if someone needed food, I gave it to them. And, and at that time, wasn't the, wasn't the right timing for me to to say what really God is not, he's not gonna ask you about your deeds, everybody. The biggest question God basically is gonna ask, what did you do with my son? That's the, que that's the question. It's not about what you did. It's not about how you felt. It's not how you justified your life. It's not how you said, well, but you know, God, you're gonna have to understand. At the end of the day, God says, what did you do with my son? And when we accept him, we are covered. And the only way we're covered by our sin is through accepting the gift of salvation through Jesus. No other way. You can bow and pray 45 times a day and split hell wide open. You can come to service and go through starting point and get baptized in water. You can go through the, 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 the modes of Christianity and split hell wide open. It's about bowing a knee, believing and confessing that there is only one way, and that's through surrendering our lives to Jesus as the Savior and Lord of our life. Are you hearing me this morning? I know this is deep. I know that this is a lot of talk about stuff we don't normally talk about in church. I prefer to, I prefer to share application stuff and have a joke, you know, every once in a while. And then, you know, maybe having even a tear and be stirred and then go change the world, you know. Be, become better people in Christ. But you asked for it. I'm finishing up. The real key issues now. So, so, so we, we talked about similarities. We talked about differences. What are the key issues really at stake here? Because the goal of today is not for you to better understand Islam. The goal of today is for you to have a rekindled fire and passion for the proclamation and pursuit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. 
The gospel message, which means good news, the good news message is the way to salvation. Not a pilgrimage, not fasting, not giving, not even praying. It is the believing the message of Jesus and allowing that message not just to be something you think is good, but if you truly believe it, listen, if you believe the stove is hot, it will change your actions. You know, you may do it once and now you believe the stove is hot and you're going to tell people stove's hot, stove's hot. Your belief determines the way you feel about life and the way you feel determines the way you act in life and the way you act in life shows what you truly believe. So, so it's not just a heart moment in a service, I believe in you, and then you act however your emotions and your attitudes and your hormones and your stereotypes call you to live. You, you, your belief determines the way you feel about something. And maybe you feel torn. Maybe you feel torn because you feel this way. And God's word says you should feel this way. And if we lean into just the way we feel, we truly haven't believed that his way is higher. So beliefs determine the feels, the feelings. Feelings determine the actions. The actions really show us what we believe. So what I want to give to you today as we end is number one, I never lock eyes with someone who doesn't deeply matter to God. I want to say to you, there's all kinds of radical stuff out there. Radical Islam a radical assault against Christianity. I'll tell you what, Hollywood tries to define Christianity in their movies. And is it just me or is everybody they try and, 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 and put in a movie look like an idiot? Like that the Christians are the, the dumbest people around. They're misinformed. They're stupid. They're the, you know, the Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. Not that I've ever seen an episode. It's just. <laughs> Every person matters. And there's not enough missionaries we could ever send across the world that could reach 1.8 billion Muslims. You got to be the church and I got to be the church and we got to proclaim the gospel and every person we lock eyes with, you cannot, let, you cannot let stereotypes and opinions overshadow the gospel of Jesus and loving people as he has called us to love them. Number two, the ends of the earth are coming to my Jerusalem. It's a fact. It's not going to change. We are empowered by the Spirit to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. All those categories, starting real close and all the way out. The good news of God and the good news of his plan in life is that he is making it easier and easier for people to hear the gospel because he is not only asking us to send missionaries, he is bringing the, 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 the ends of the earth to us. He's bringing the ends of the earth to your neighborhoods, to your businesses, to your city, to your community, he's sending the ends of the earth. Both of my neighbors, not directly on this side, but here, here, three doors down, 
all, all of the uh, practicing Hindus in, in, in the house I used to live in, in Hinduism. God didn't call me to drive by their house and just say, he's called me to love people right where they are. Number three, I will never argue, hate, or fear people into the kingdom of God. We, we ought to know, we, we ought to believe what we believe and let love guide us versus our stereotypes, our prejudices, our racism, and even our veiled hatred. Can I just say something to you? I am proud to be an American. I'm proud to be an American. No, 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 stop. Hang on, hang on. We can applaud that at a different time. But we have to be Christians first, not Americans first. And what I, what I see happening in portions of the Christian faith is we are more patriotic than we are biblical. We can become more, more about patriotism and our political preferences on both sides of the aisle and it can overshadow the gospel. Now, now if, if, if you, you struggle with that, just look at us. Just look at America. Christians are fighting with one another more than anybody else is trying to blow up their church. We're struggling with this. And, and, and I, I don't want ever for our church and our body of Christ to get it backwards. We can be proud to be American. We can stand for the red, white, and blue. We, we can believe what we believe and go to the voting booth. I'm all, I'm all in on that. You ought to reserve that right. You ought to do that right. You ought to be, uh, be you know, proud. But we're Christians first. We're Christians first. And how that affects us sharing the gospel is critical. Number four. God is using immigration as an opportunity for the gospel to be preached. Am I suggesting that we go light on our borders? No. Am I suggesting that we have an immigration issue on our hands? Yeah, absolutely. Am I, am I suggesting, though, that the only answer to immigration has to be border security and laws and all of that? Actually, I'm saying this is an opportunity for the church to love people you would never meet otherwise. Right or wrong, whatever side of the politics you land on, let's love people. Let's love them where they are. We'll figure out the laws. We'll figure out the regulations. We'll figure out how to handle it. But let's love people and not stereotype people into one category and forget that their eyes matter to God, their hearts matter to God, their soul is created by God. Can you, may, maybe we can agree with that this morning. Can we agree with that? That all lives are created in God's image. So, with this in mind, the gospel is the good news. Anyone know what the gospel is? Look at it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever does a lot of good deeds, no, that's not what it says. Whoever goes to church on time, no. Whoever believes in him, 
and believing in him is being renewed by the transformation, transformed by the renewing of our mind, we believe in him. We will not perish, but have eternal life. That in the one scripture. That's why John 3, 16 is so powerful. It is the gospel in one scripture. And I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the gospel. If it weren't for some parents that believed in the gospel, if it weren't for a church that believed in the gospel, if it weren't for people that way went before me that believed in the gospel, we wouldn't be here, folks. My whole family tree was changed by the gospel. Bunch of drunk hillbillies in Arkansas. And my grandpa coming from a line of drunks, a, a line of, of just pagans on one night in a little tent revival in Violet Hill, Arkansas. He hears the gospel message. He bows a knee. And his three boys, Donnie, Joe, Stevie, Jean, and Tara Lynn, they find Jesus through the gospel through their dad. And Tara Lynn, who happens to be my dad, heard the call of God and preached the gospel. And I saw him modeled in his parents the same way I admonished the parents on the stage today to share the gospel with their children. My dad shared the gospel with me. And at six years old, it wasn't at a church service. In fact, it was a Sunday night after a church service. I walked into the bathroom and my mom was taking her makeup off. And, and I said, Mommy, we were talking about Jesus being in our heart. I want Jesus in my heart. And right there at the porcelain altar, I put my elbows on the toilet. And I bowed my little five-year-old, six-year-old knees. And I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And I've seen my little boy baptized and my daughter baptized. And, and I want to see them live the gospel, not just know the gospel, not just be familiar with the gospel. And the truth is, no matter who we're going to, from the Muslim to your next door neighbor, to the prodigal son or daughter, to the person who is the nominal Christian that says, yeah, 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 on Sunday I lift you up, but on Monday through Saturday, what they act like is not what they really believe. Or it comes in contradiction we must be proclaimers of the true gospel for it is the power of God to salvation. Every Muslim, every Hindu, every American, every Middle Eastern, boy or girl, young or old, one color of skin, a different color of skin. The gospel changes everything. Would you pray with me? If you need to be more passionate about the gospel, if you have been living with stereotypes, if you have allowed what you don't know to build any kind of animosity, even maybe some prejudice or hatred in your heart, would you offer that to the Lord? That's between you and God in right this moment. Would you just offer it to the Lord? God, don't ever let any of my politics overshadow the gospel. God, don't, don't let any of my opinions become stronger than Jesus. I surrender fully to your gospel, Lord. Thank you for the message of the cross for me. I embrace it today. If you're here with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and you need to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, You don't have to go through all this process. You don't have to go through it deeds. 
but you do have to confess and believe. And I'd like to help you with that today if that's you. If you're here and you need to accept Jesus as your Savior, you want to confess that and, be, and begin to believe that with your heart and with your actions. If that's you, would you just shoot a hand straight up in the air? I want to pray for you. I want to help lead you in that. Yeah, several hands, several hands. You can put your hands down. In your own words, I believe you are who you say you are, God of creation, that you have one and one son only. His name is Jesus. Jesus, you came to this earth to show us how to live, to show us how to die. You died in my place. You did not stay dead, you rose again, and you gave us your Holy Spirit to live like you. I receive you into my life. Guide me, help me become more like you in my convictions, my conduct, my character. I give all I have and all I am to you. Thank you for saving me and giving me this chance to make things right with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you put your hands together for those who made a decision today? <sighs> well, we're going to leave today. Before we go, I want to shift a gear, give you a note, and then I'll be on, we'll be on our way. Take a look at this video real quick. job, everybody. Hey, want to invite you. In the next couple of weeks, we're starting at the movies. I know it's hard to make this face look any better than it already is, but Esther's doing a great job. That's fine. We're good. Now, I want to tell you, this is an opportunity. Agua, Miguel! Gracias. Ooh, no, no, no good. It's room temperature. Need it more Frio. Anyway, right around the corner at the movies. We are pulling out all the stops from the Serengeti to space to California, we are going to, I mean, fill up every single seat, every single service with your friends, your relatives, your associates, your neighbors. Listen, this is an entire series that is all about pulling life lessons out of regular Hollywood movies that can have a spiritual application. Bring a friend. You won't regret it. They'll get the gospel message. You will have a great time. Popcorn, you name it. Hot tamales. It's all, we're pulling out all the stops. Be there at the movies coming soon. So next week, from now this afternoon until Sunday, we are putting some huge sets together in the cafe, in the, in the lobby, in KidWorks. KidWorks are gonna be following us with different movies. This is low-hanging fruit for you to simply invite a friend to church. Don't, don't just think about doing it, do it. Invite a friend to church. And the reason why we're making it at the movies is because it's such an easy invite. It's like, hey, we're doing something fun and would you guys like to come? And, and, and for those of you like, well, I wanna have a feel, I don't really watch movies, you know? So, you have friends that do, bring them. Get over yourself and bring somebody. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. We're going to have fun. We're going to celebrate. And there's going to be a very simple message attached to every single one of those messages. Uh, on October 29th, on week two, we're gonna, uh, we are going to cancel the, the, the five-year-olds to fifth grade. And those kids are going to join us. It is going to be fantastic because the movie is a Disney movie. We're going to have fun. We are going to get people that have never heard the message or it's been a long time or they're disenchanted with church. They're going to get 
get into our doors, they're gonna receive Christ, they're gonna receive that gospel message, and God's gonna change some history by this simple thing. So here's what we're inviting you to do. Yeah, you can, that's worth putting your hands together for. That's good, that's good. In your seats, you have the invite cards that you can hand to a friend. Uh, give, if you're going out to eat, just leave a good tip. Don't ever leave anything from Timber Creek and have a bad tip. That would be horrible. It is the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not do that. But also we have these door hangers that are available. If you just wanna, maybe you're a little nervous about asking somebody like a, a neighbor, you can just hang these on our door hangers. We're gonna be going through a couple of different communities um, with some dream teams and gonna be hanging these on doors, but it's simple. Average movies entertain us. The best ones inspire us. So what can movies tell us about our own lives? Grab some popcorn, find a seat at the movies. It's coming soon to Timber Creek. And that's just a simple invite. But here's what I'd really encourage you to do as we close today. Everybody in your phone, you have somebody that you could invite who maybe isn't in church right now, maybe has been disconnected, whatever, a friend, relative, associate, neighbor, Fran, F-R-A-N, Fran, friends, relatives, associate, neighbors. So I wanna show you an easy text message you can send to somebody this week. In fact, I'd encourage you, you may just wanna pull out your cell phone right now, think of a friend. If you got the friend in mind, send them this text message. But here's what it would look like. It would say to Fran, you can see her up there, Fran. Hey, blank, Bobby Joe. Just thinking about you today, I was wondering if you, and if it's applicable, and your family would like to come to church with me or us sometime. And if their response is, eh, church isn't really my thing. Awkward emoji with a thumbs up. <laughs> then you can simply respond like this. Hey, totally no pressure, okay sign. But just know you have a standing invitation if you ever change your mind. Simple. What did that hurt? Nothing, right? Okay, well, let's go to another one. Let's say that you send, hey, just thinking about you today. I was wondering if you and your family would like to come to church with me sometime. And they respond this way. They say, whose number is this? <laughs> number one, you, you might have thought they were closer friends than they really are. So maybe think that. But here's what I would do. If they say, whose number is this? You simply respond by saying, this is Jesus. And then you write, I've been watching you. And then you write, see you soon. <laughs> and just leave it. But really what I hope would happen, and the majority usually happen this way, is this. Hey, just thinking about you today, I was wondering if you and your family would like to come to church with me sometime. And they say, sure, yeah, okay. Then you simply say this, that's great. Maybe we can put our calendars together and see what Sunday would work best for you guys. Question mark, exclamation point. And then follow the road. Follow it. Hey, you know what? I'm not doing anything this Sunday. I'm out of town this next week. You just follow it. On Monday, give them a call. Hey, I sent you that text. This Sunday, we're starting a new series. It's fun. It's for the whole kid. You know, it's great kid works. We have the best, just phenomenal stuff for kids. We'd love to have you join us. You want to do it? Let's do it. I mean, just go for it. Go for the sale right there and just see what God does. One of the key reasons he's given us his Holy Spirit is to tell people about him. Okay? So would you stand with your feet, on your feet? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May you know that there is no other way under heaven, no other name by which man can be saved except the Lord Jesus. May that determine your conduct, convictions, and character. 
and may he give you joy and peace and a wonderful week. If you receive it, would you say amen? See you next Sunday at the movies.